Consummate athletes seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it shaken? It is going well. Yeah, we've had a busy couple of weeks with a couple of coaching course days. And then also we had, I guess, the first race I've done, f- official race. Uh, we'll call it, it was a distanced relay race that was put on by our friends at Pulse Racing over at Hardwood Ski and Bike. So Molly participated in all of these events. She attended the coaching course as a mountain biker and then raced mountain bikes. It's uh, it's been a been a few days for me. Very. And you've had to come to terms with very emotional. You know, you're racing, so there's like a comparison. You're at a coaching course. We knew a lot of the people at the coaching course. They're all fairly competent mountain bikers. And so then there's this me. This is nerve wracking for you, right? Super nerve wracking. Although hilariously, Friday, I will tell you that on Friday I was talking to one of the women at the course, and I was going on about how I'm so over competition. I mean, really, the summer has showed me that I don't need racing to feel good about myself in sport. Like I feel totally. I I never signed up for another race. I'd be great. I just like adventuring. It's fun. And then you put me on a course, even though it's a virtual course, on Sunday, and suddenly I'm like, I'm a World Cup athlete at heart I need to I need to really be focusing on my fitness right now I'm just gonna tear tear my legs off here I'm gonna tear that guy's legs off here (laughs) you're also the person at the course who got into the most vicious race during the coaching course there's always one or two there that just take some drill (laughs) a little too far it's like we're just going through the motions and suddenly we have elbows out and everyone's sliding sideways into each other I'm really sorry everybody Anyhow, I think it's good, right? Like it's a lot of these new things, new sports we're taking on, right? Sometimes it's like it's easy to go and, you know, we're throwing axes or something, you know, and it's it's not, no one's that good at it when you go or something, right? Or, or you're not, you don't care about it maybe, or you haven't framed the expectation like exactly. that. Exactly. But it's really hard when you're sort of like, when you're aware that you're not the best one or even like the middle one in the group. And you're, I think sometimes what happens too is it's like, you're good in your group of friends like small pond right like you're almost like elementary school going to high school and then you go to like a race or a bigger race or a coaching course with a bunch of other people who are like you know have dedicated their lives in some ways to mountain biking right and you also have dedicated your life to cycling you're a big cyclist you're a name in cycling but you know but not that kind but not mountain biking right and maybe not to the level that these other people right and it's it's tough you can either use that to like pull yourself forward and just you know these people also take it seriously this is table tennis at the active life christmas party all over right, again at the the work christmas party yes you did take that pretty seriously yeah so it, it's tough right and i think we know ourselves and you sort of edge yourself into that but it's it's yeah, figuring think, out your why and your your framing for it yeah and that's something I, I definitely want to get into in a later in an episode maybe in the next month or so just sort of talking through how to tackle consummate athlete adventures when you don't necessarily feel the most confident about doing them yeah and it's tough i think you know this is the season of year you know anytime the seasons change it's a good time reminder a touch point to sort of check in on where we are and where we were trying to go and where we want to go given the the present information and stuff right so we're doing that with clients as far as calls and and just check-ins right now too. Um, so just a reminder everyone to do that, right? And remember to, when we're looking at this season that was, 
you know, do there was probably some good moments, some things you enjoyed, some things you achieved, some things you maintained, you know, some things you got through. And I think those are all wins. Right. And I think that's when we try and look back, it's not just like, Oh, what a, a crummy season. Sorry. Um, but you know, try and think about wins and things you enjoyed. And then, you know, you're pro- wherever you are right now is the key thing. And then like thinking, you know, what, what's the next step towards where I might want to go in the future. Right. And that's sort of the framing we use to try and again, this season, especially right. It, it's, there's going to be some downside to it for everyone. Right. For sure. And I think, I mean, we've said it a billion times, but because we're sort of still unsure even what 2021 is going to hold as far as like racing and stuff goes, this is sort of a good chance to sort of, instead of thinking about what your your racing goals are for next season, maybe maybe it is more focused on getting better at a slightly different type of, you know, different type of sports. If you're into gravel, maybe this is where you're going to try more mountain biking or road to gravel or, you know, any of those things. Or even just like zooming out, you're thinking more about all of the little things that can make you a better racer that aren't just on the bike or on the run. Um, and to that end, we actually have a, I'm going to say a pretty huge announcement dropping in the next week or two on, on the note of big ways to hopefully help kind of improve. Well, to help. Yeah. I think as we get into the fall and winter and resolutions and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think looking at this overarching picture, like we are sort of in this not maintenance phase, but it, it's, you know, it's unclear. Right. So that means that we're in like what you might call a base or a general preparation for everyone. Right. And we're, you know, this is Dan, John talks about the park bench. We should be enjoying the thing. We should be maybe having a community, right. Which has been challenging during COVID. But I think, you know, it, it's possible now in different ways to be building fun and community into our training, into our movement, right? And I think our guest today yeah. is going to give us some good ideas about how a, a, a business and how a community can get through. You guys talk about COVID as well, right? And the challenges therein, but like also just some ideas on how you can integrate community and fun into running in this case. Yeah, exactly. So today we have Lou Serafini, who is Tracksmith's community manager. Um, Tracksmith, like hashtag not sponsored here. I just happen to really love this brand of running clothing. Yeah, it's really good. I like, especially for running, I like to look, you know, especially when not racing, right? It's just, I always like this, like, I guess it would be like leisure. What's that called? Athleisure. I don't know if that's how they describe themselves, but something that looks pretty good, right? And it's, but you're, it's functional. Yeah, picture very like kind of almost retro like '80s cross country racing kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I would say that's yeah. Um, just really yeah, comfy kind of classic running type stuff, and it's all like very neutral colors, which anyone who knows me knows I'm very excited about. If I can just wear all black all the time, that's great. Um, but yeah, I like that I can run errands in it and not feel really silly. But it also like I've raced you know 50k trail races well in it. So. But yeah, but they organize runs and, and different things. But even their online presence is pretty good. Like their newsletters and stuff. I always find like it's like pictures of people running and yeah, really enjoyable, you know, rain and stuff like this. Right. Well, maybe that's not enjoyable, but yes, it's I mean, it's part of the, the, the journey. It's part of the struggle for sure. So anyway, Lou and I get to talk a bunch about sort of how he's as the community manager had to pivot from having all of these in-person things and they were doing a lot of support at uh, at races they were doing a lot of stuff especially in boston where it's based um, they were doing a ton of stuff with that so sort of how they pivoted to okay what do we do now uh, as you know for a while their store was closed even now they obviously can't really hold a lot of like group runs or workouts um 
So yeah, just how they've they've sort of handled that and continued to keep newer runners excited about running, keep you know veteran runners excited now that there are no races. Um, so if you're you know whether you're just getting into running or you're kind of missing your normal group workouts because you can't get to them or they're not happening, um, or you're just trying to figure out how to start a group or you know figure out how to like kind of boost a community in your area, I think this is a really good episode. And I think you can apply a lot of the stuff, not just to running, but to cycling or whatever sport you're in. Right. So without further ado, uh, let's let's get into this episode with Lou Serafini. And of course, head over to consummateathlete.com for the show notes and daily articles and videos at this point. So lots of cool stuff going on over there. All right. Enjoy. Lou Serafini, welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to, to chat with you as soon as I started uh, digging into kind of everything you're doing. And I feel like it's it's cool to get to talk to somebody who's on both ends of the spectrum, both on like the, perf- you know, high performance side, but then also, you know, community manager at Tracksmith means you're you're also on the, the community side. And uh, for us, we're really big on sort of both of those those sides of the coin. So it's very exciting to talk to someone whose job is doing both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I feel very, uh, actually feel like I'm in a really lucky position uh, to be able to kind of work in a place where they let me kind of do both. Yeah, for sure. Um, so before we get into like a bunch of different questions I have, I was uh, looking at your Instagram and your first thing you have written in your bio is motto, miles, eggs, and beer. Um, could you please unpack this? There's <laughs> <laughs> not, not too much to unpack. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like a silly, uh, stupid thing that I um, really leaned into a couple of years ago where I, I just feel like uh, that's kind of been my philosophy with training is I, I run a lot of miles and then um, I uh, I'm a vegetarian, so uh, not vegan, but just vegetarian. So I eat a lot of eggs for protein. And uh, like at my last, I live with my girlfriend now. We've been living together for uh, about a year and a half. Before that, um, I lived in a house with three other guys, and we probably went through like, I don't know, 50 eggs a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty crazy. And, uh, yeah, and I'm a strong advocate for uh, a couple beers after a hard hard day of running and working. So um, that's been sort of my, uh, the things, the three things that have kept me healthy and happy and running over the past couple of years. So I've I've really leaned into it and and kind of made that my, my MO. I really like that. Um, now I want to break down just because I, I really enjoy this motto deeply. Um, if you have to like define your perfect set of all of these things, we'll start with beer because I feel like that's the easiest one. Perfect beer or favorite beer. Uh, I really like New England IPAs and I really like a good, a good, um, session IPA as well. So anything that's like light and drinkable. So I live in Boston, so I'm in a great place for New England IPAs, uh, <laughs> My my or um my girlfriend Gabby has a twin sister named Danny and uh, her boyfriend Quincy kind of a mouth, mouthful uh, also loves beer and they were just here visiting and uh, I think him and I together um, spent so much money on beer that we now have like the greatest selection of New England IPAs like in all of New England I would say uh, <laughs> so I love been, it uh, yeah so it's been a good week, good week for beer in my household. Um, I also really like a good sour um, after like a, a run in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I drink a lot of uh, sequench, which is dogfish head. Um, oh, okay. 
but uh, sour took me a long time to get into. I hated it for the longest time, and then uh, after sharing enough of them with Gabby, I finally acquired a taste, and now I, I love like a nice cold sour after like a really hot run. So nice. I love hearing this from someone who is a you know two nineteen marathoner or two sixteen marathoner, sorry, and sub four yeah. minute miler, um, because I think it, it really demonstrates that you you can actually you know, still enjoy indulging in stuff like a good beer with it and, and still be running at a super high level. So I, I'm stoked to hear you say that. Um, yeah. right. <laughs> I, think, I think it's about balance because like mm-hmm. I, uh, I've probably told, I mean, I'm sure this is really relatable to a lot of people, but, um, you know, when I was in college, it was just kind of like, we would, we would only drink when we were like, celebrating uh like a good race or if we made it to the weekend or something like that after a hard week of training um and I never really like I always kind of like looked at beer or alcohol as just kind of like a negative uh that would like impact training negatively only mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't until like I like graduated I and we're going back to like 20, 2013 um where I just kind of started like drinking it because I enjoyed it and I didn't care as much about running and then um running started to come back around too and I just realized like having that balance in my life every single day um and like you know not being afraid to like have a beer and like accepting the fact that it actually like makes me happy and like I um it kind of like helps close up the day a lot of times um Mm -hmm. even my coach um we can we can probably get into this more but he He's like an old school marathoner from like uh, the 70s and 80s. And um, before the first marathon I did with him, uh, he was like, don't change your routine at all the night before. Like if you usually have a beer the night before a hard workout, like you can have a beer before the Boston Marathon. So yes. You want to keep things consistent. <laughs> so um, I've really uh, took that to heart. So. Oh, I love it. Uh, okay. So that's beer. What about eggs? What's the, what's the preferred method of eating eggs? Um. So either fried or scrambled, we keep it pretty simple um, with eggs. We do get fancy with, like, our breakfast sandwiches, so I make my own bagels a lot. Um, Whoa. And, yeah, so we'll do, like, everything or garlic salt. Uh, always, always salty over sweet. Um, and uh, we will do, like, different kinds of cheese and stuff. Not Nothing, like, super fancy, but usually it's, like, cheddar, pepper jack cheese, and then uh, since we're vegetarian, we'll do, like, uh, vegan bacon or vegan sausage a lot. Or there's also um, one that we've adopted for, like, weekends post-long run. There's a um, a bar in Rhode Island called Ocean Myth, and it's, like, a cool bar. It's, like, back when, you know, you could go to bars. It's <laughs> right on the ocean, and um, they make a sandwich called uh, something on a bagel, and it's just, like, um, a bagel with cream cheese and eggs and cheese, so it's um, you know, you get your cream cheese and your eggs. So that's one that we've also uh, adopted as well. Or we'll do cream cheese and eggs. So um, oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I love eggs. I probably we probably have eggs almost every single day. Uh, I have gotten like I always like think about like um, you know if if we could do the vegan thing, and I think get, giving up eggs and cheese would be the hardest thing for me. But yeah, um, we do have avocados. <laughs> quite a bit like um we make like a fresh sourdough loaf or something like that and have avocados and on top of that i think that that's a a good alternative but uh, i still haven't found anything that would 
make me feel like that was doable. <laughs> going mm-hmm. so. Now, now the bagels and the sourdough, were you a baker pre-quarantine or is this like a, a new thing? Uh, it's pretty much a quarantine, uh, quarantine thing for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we got a sourdough starter from, uh, from some friends and I bought a, um, what do they call it? A Dutch oven, uh, to make sourdough. And, uh, I think I might've made one batch of bagels pre-quarantine, but it's, it's been a, definitely a quarantine activity. I love it. I love it. Um, and then obviously miles in the motto. So if you had to pick one workout to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? And long runs count in workouts, I'll say, or as workouts. Um, so there's a workout that I do pretty much like all throughout training, um, like in the beginning of training and at the end of training, that is kind of like my go-to bread and butter. So that's, um, I, I really like it because like it's, it's easy for me to like mentally wrap my head around because uh, it's 60 minutes of running total. You do a 20 minute warm up, and then it's a fartlek run where you do five to six reps of two minutes on, three minutes off. So it's like a lot of recovery, um, which is which is really nice if you're like not in shape. But it also like if you are in shape, you can end, what ends up happening is you can run the two minute intervals pretty fast, like close to 10k pace. Um, or maybe even 5k pace if you're really fit and then you run the three minute intervals um, not I guess they're not intervals the three minute recovery as like a not as a jog so usually for me it ends up being about one minute per mile slower than whatever I did the harder interval at so if I do two minutes at five minute pace usually the um, recovery part will be at like six minute pace or something like that Oof. and then it finishes with a 10 to 15 minute cool down depending on how much more time I need to get to 50 minutes um, and I like that workout a lot because it's like you're not really like going to the well or anything like that but you still walk away from it and you look at it and you got somewhere between 25 and 30 minutes of like good aerobic effort so um, sometimes when I'm really out of shape I'll just like I won't even look at like the GPS watch and I'll just go out and do that workout and run it completely off the of field and and like I said you can you can walk away from it um, feeling pretty good so nice nice um and i really um i should have started with this but i love the motto so much um since you described that workout and five minute pace seems very casual um you're gonna have to give everyone your your athletic bio here so when did you get into running where have you gone with running where are you at right now hit me i'll try to keep it (laughs) yeah yeah i'll try to i'll try to be um not, not to go into like too, too much detail, but um, yeah, I was gonna say I know like, we could spend I, like a full podcast on just that, but <laughs> yeah, I could give you the whole horse story for sure. But yeah, we probably take up too much time. Uh, but I'll try to give you the spark notes. So um, yeah, so my dad was a runner in college. He was actually a sprinter at um, Bentley University, which is also um, in in the Boston area, and he was pretty good. He he ran. Um, I think he had a school record in the in the 400 and the 500 indoors um so I'm a distance runner obviously but like the natural leg speed was always there so like growing up I you know played all the other sports soccer football baseball uh basketball and and kind of like learned at a young age that you know I could get up and down the field a little bit faster than some of the other kids and um and my parents always ran so they would always drag me to like local road races and stuff and it wasn't until yeah I would do like cross country when I was in 
uh, middle school and a freshman in high school, but never really enjoyed it. It was always just kind of like something I did to like, you know, fill up the year and stay in shape for some of the other sports. But uh, when I was a sophomore, um, you know, I started getting, I'm very competitive <laughs> and uh, some of my peers would, you know, beat me in races. So I, I actually started like trying a bit more and like training a little bit more and uh, my time dropped a lot and um, it ended up, I ended up taking it very, very seriously and quitting all the other sports that I did and, and started running full time. Um, and I knew, you know, by the end of sophomore year, it happened really quickly, but by the end of that year, I knew I wanted to run in college. So um, ended up running 413 in the 1600, but not quite, it would have been about a 415 mile in high school. And then I went to run at um, Boston College, which is in the ACC. I knew I really wanted to like use running to go to a good academic school and then and then also be in a conference where there would be a lot of competition. And I had, uh, to be honest, like a really uh, difficult college career. Um, I, I kind of hit a plateau very early and uh, sort of fell out of love with the sport. Um, you know, I loved my teammates and I, I loved the university and I obviously loved Boston because I'm still here um, all these years later. But, uh, but yeah, I ran um, 410 as a freshman in the mile and then never really progressed past uh, 409 as a senior Um moved up and descend, you know, I tried a bunch of different things, but it never really, never really clicked for me. And uh, I actually got hurt for the first time in my life, second semester of my senior year. So I thought I was, you know, when I graduated, I was like, I'd made my peace with the sport and I, I didn't think I'd ever run again. Uh, and it wasn't until I, uh, so I guess it would have been the winter after I graduated. So about nine months later, uh, I was working at a, a PR firm and I really hated sitting behind a desk every single day. Uh, it just wasn't for me. I wasn't running a lot, and I, I just wasn't wasn't super happy. Um, and there was like an opportunity to um, to pace a couple of races uh, locally. They wanted uh, a pacer at Tufts University, so I had to go to the track and do a couple of workouts. And I started doing some workouts, and they started going pretty well. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could like get on the track and run run a mile right now because after I paced these races I felt like I was in pretty good shape and uh so I did and I ran 414 I think or something like that so not a not a PR or anything but like it made me think that like all right I haven't like lost it it's still there you know um it's, it's still in there somewhere um the only goal I really had after graduating was I wanted to run the Boston Marathon and I always told myself that if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to just like show up on the starting line and, and run, you know, uh, below my ability. I wanted to like train for it and, and really give it 110%. So after that mile, I, I kind of started taking it a little more seriously. I, I ran a marathon to qualify for Boston, uh, qualifies, then I ran Boston. And um, I could go into a lot more detail about this, but basically I started coaching myself and experimenting with higher mileage. I'd never done more than um, 70 to 80 miles a week in college. So I, I started experimenting with like 90, 100 mile weeks because I've always wanted to do a 100 mile week. You know, so that'd be kind of cool. And so while I was training for Boston, the so we were in 2015 now, two years after graduating, I just noticed that like I was running some pretty fast workouts and some pretty fast times. Uh, just from doing higher mileage, you know, I, the intensity wasn't anything faster or anything like that. Um, so 
but the, the volume seems to be agreeing with me. So, um, it I always, cr- like, side note, it always cracks me up whenever runners are like, yeah, my mileage was, like, kind of low at, like, that 70 yeah, to 80. I know. I have to dial that back every once in a while. I forget. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm definitely a little bit of a mileage addict, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. um, also, anyway. it sounds, um, I just wanted to quickly jump back to, it sounds like you kind of got back into running, like, because of the pacing, it sort of sounds like you got back into running because of the community element of it, even if you kind of didn't get into the, you know, community manager position till later, it sounds like it took kind of getting outside of yourself to get you back on the track. Yeah, and I think, I think that, like, uh, so, when I, so I ended up quitting that job at a PR firm after nine months. Cause it, and I, I just took a job at a local running shop uh, selling shoes. And I knew it wasn't like, you know, I had my college degree and it wasn't what I went to school for. But I just knew, like, it'd make me happier. Mm-hmm. And working at that running store, I, like, the sense of community was crazy. And, like, I, um, you know, I went from being in college and feeling like, you know, what I was doing wasn't super meaningful to, like, you know, going and racing and, and feeling like a part of, of the, the Boston running community, you know, leading hill workouts on Heartbreak Hill on Wednesday nights and, and meeting people that were um, training for their first marathon ever or their first 5K even. I, I, led, a, um, I led a couch to 5K class uh, for, for two years, uh, 2014 and 2015, and that was, like, super cool because I got to meet people that had never run a step before in their lives. So I really was, like, getting to see all these different corners of the sport that I'd never seen before. You know, you're brought up to run in high school and college and everything's like super hyper-focused on one goal. But when you take a step back, like the sport of running is so interesting. I always say it's all relative. You know, we all um, have our own goals and whether you're, uh, you know, a 216 marathoner or 416 marathoner, like there's always going to be somebody faster or slower than you. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really just all about like, you know, what your own goals are and and what you want to accomplish in the sport. And I think that's why it's it's so fantastic. So yeah, that is definitely, definitely true. Something that like helps me kind of get back into it. Yeah. So you did the, you did Boston. Um, So I did Boston and then um, that was when I, that was like the switch that flipped. Like that training cycle going up to that was like when I went from being like, oh, like, maybe I'll keep dabbling in it, but, like, there's still something there. I need to, like, I need to give this a try again and see what I can do. So I, um, the next goal was qualifying for the Olympic trial. Um, I knew I wouldn't do it in the marathon. Uh, you have to run 219, and that felt like a little bit of a stretch for me, but I always had good leg speed, so I trained for a half marathon, and I ended up qualifying in a half marathon in, um, in Philadelphia the following fall. Um, and would that be for the 2016 Olympics, or are we talking, we're into 20? Yeah, that was 2016. Okay. And then I went to to LA and ran the trials. Uh, At this point, I was still coaching myself and had no idea what I was doing. Uh, (laughs) Classic, classic. Yeah, since the mileage was working, I just kept adding more. And um, as anyone who's done high mileage knows, that's not the way to do it. You kind of just run yourself into the ground. So I ended up um, dropping out of the LA, LA trials. A lot of people did. It was a really hot day, um, and so that was that was the summer. But uh, the following, and I'm just jumping around a bunch. The following fall, I came back 
and finally had like my breakout race in the marathon. I ran a 2.17 on like um, my hometown course in Albany, New York. And uh, after that race, I was like, okay, it's time for me to get a coach. Um, Cause I think I've, I've taken myself as far as I can go and I need someone who can help kind of like guide me. So that winter, um, I started working with my coach, Randy. Uh, he's the women's coach at Boston College, so he was never my coach there, but I always kind of looked up to him. He trained with um, Bill Rogers and uh, Greg Meyer and um, was a 211 marathoner way back in the day. And, and uh, he has now brought my times from 408 to 359 in the mile, uh, 1432 in the 5K down to 1347. Um, 30 flat in the 10K down to 2850. So, um, and, and I've now run uh, 103 in the half marathon and, and 216 at the New York marathon last year. So, super grateful that for like everything that he's done. It, he's kind of like, honestly, been the one who's been able to like rein it back for me. Um, mm-hmm. So, instead of doing like super high mileage, you know, and running seven days a week, he has me take a day off every single week. Uh, I take every Monday off uh, just to kind of like rest the legs and reset things mentally and physically. And um, we talked about like balance in the beginning and like the balance that I have now with the sport just feels stronger than it's ever been. So, um, so yeah. I love that. And I mean, okay, so I'm not as, uh, like, up on, I guess, track times and stuff. Would it be normal for someone your age to be dropping their mile pace? Like, I always thought, like, the mile was more of, like, a college-age game. Or is that kind of how the trajectory would normally go? Or is Randy really just, like, bringing out the best in you here? So the cool thing about his training is we never stop doing speed work. So even if I'm training for a marathon... We're working on speed. I think that that's something that everyone should be doing. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're new to the sport of running, um, you know, speed is really important. And I think, you know, if you want to truly get faster, you need to do you need to do speed work. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I it is it was definitely an unconventional route to breaking four because. Uh, Usually, usually that is probably something that you would do in, in college, or that'd be like your focus event, and you would continue on after college, and you're probably already really close to it. But I actually like went to the marathon first. Like I went a- completely away from the mile, and it wasn't until like after I did a marathon where I was like, ah, I'm kind of bored of the marathon. I want to go back and do track. So I went back and did <laughs> track, and then I got bored of track again and went back to the marathon. And I think that that's another thing that like sets me apart from some people like I think a lot of people should get really stuck on one thing mm-hmm. like they only run marathons or they only do track but I try to like really train for what um, what is interesting to me at the time uh, you know I've been doing like a bit of trail running during quarantine because like there's no races right now and it does it's a little bit more interesting to like to me to like go out and run trails where like times don't really matter and like have a little fun and experiment and do different things so like I, if people are struggling with that and like, you know, running's not really sparking joy, I would definitely like encourage you to go and try something different. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think so many people kind of tend to, and you, you'd probably see this with a lot of the athletes that you're you're dealing with through Tracksmith, people tend to kind of, okay, I finished a 5K, 10K is next. Okay, I finished a 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon. Like, it's very rare, yeah. I think, that people go down in mileage and try to go faster. But, I mean, to me, you know, I, I do more of, like, the ultra trail stuff. But to me, like, the hardest thing in the world is a 5K. <laughs> yeah, it hurts so bad. <laughs> you know it exactly does. But yeah, yeah. There's no relaxing during it, and to me, you know, ultra trail stuff, you're kind of easing into it. But 5K, it just hurts the entire time. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, I think a lot of people would benefit from going back to shorter and focusing on on faster and that speed work and stuff. I remember I was so ticked off when I had to suddenly start doing speed work for ultra running, and I was like, no, I'm going longer. Why would I be doing speed work? And it's amazing what it's done, like for my ability to run long. Yeah. The best thing about speed work, too, is it doesn't take very long. Mm-hmm. It hurts, and it's, like, it's not fun, but, um, you know, an 8 by 200 meter workout uh, on the track takes, you know, a fraction of the time uh, as it does to do, like, a 10-mile tempo run or something like that, mm-hmm. or, you know, a 22-mile long run. It, it's kind of nice to just, like, do a short workout, show up to the track, run a couple of quick intervals, and then you're done for the day in less than an hour. So, mm-hmm. um, not always the most enjoyable but uh but it is uh nice mentally every once in a while yeah um so you meant we've you know talked about the pandemic a couple times so how are you handling the pandemic situation in terms of just still feeling like a racer i mean i know you mentioned hitting the trails but has it been hard to kind of maintain your like athlete identity are you kind of tempted to shift more into your community manager identity or have you been how have you been balancing that with no races yeah, it's been a it's been a challenge, um, and I guess we haven't really talked about Tracksmith much, but um, I think uh, I'm lucky where we're in a really exciting spot with the with the with Tracksmith in general and the community side of things. So um, it has been really nice to be able to lean into work a little bit more the last couple of months mm-hmm. um, and make that and make that more of a focus. Not not that it's it's never not like a high focus for me, sure. but um, it's nice to, to be able to like take a step back and say like okay like I don't have any races coming up like I don't need to go work out today like I can I can really like lean into into my job right now and lean on the on the running community so we've been able to like do a lot of really cool things um, with the Tracksmith community over the past couple of months um, and we have a lot of really cool things planned too that I'm kind of excited about uh, that's been nice I think that's a huge positive I have a lot of friends that are um, more like I guess, quote unquote, like professional runners. And I think that they're having a harder time with it. I see them just like training very hard all the time. And I, it's, um, I think they do it just because like that's normal. Um, but there's no races on the calendar really to get ready for. And I think, you know, you're starting to see some people doing time trials and, and running some fast times and these like small, like official races that are happening. But, um, but for me, it's been really nice to kind of just like take a step back from things like okay like it's okay to not be training super hard right now and like there's a ton of other like really important things in my life that I can lean on and focus on right now mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of been my approach so. yeah um, so you mentioned a couple exciting things that you've been able to do with Tracksmith so how does one work on community building during a pandemic where we're not allowed to hang out as a community 
Oh, it's so frustrating. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was afraid you're gonna be like, oh, it's been really easy and you know just no, no problems. <laughs> I mean, I spent I spent three years building a um, a running community from the ground up with with uh, other people at Tracksmith, and you know we were hitting this like really exciting point where you know we host Boston Long Run training runs on Sunday mornings, and we'd have anywhere from 100 to 200 people showing up every day at 9 a.m. And it was just really like our Boston racing team has over 100 people on it now. Um, we had uh, 138 runners uh, that were Tracksmith sponsored qualify for the Olympic marathon trials in Atlanta. Oh, wow. There were a lot of really cool things happening like right before the pandemic hit. Um, so it's been, it has been a challenge to like take a step back from all of that and, and try to keep that momentum going. And, and kind of like nurse it along until we get to a place where we can do it in person uh, again. But the cool thing, I think, um, and I'm I'm a, I'm usually an optimist, and so this is maybe a little bit of the optimist in me is um, being forced to do things differently. I think is actually like shedding light on a lot of areas where where we can improve and be better. So. Um, you know, being forced to do virtual events has actually helped us be more in touch with our global community, like the people that don't live in Boston. Um, you know, we posted, uh, we have a community called Harry C, which um, is a paid membership and, and you get some benefits being a part of it. And we posted some, uh, some Zoom uh, speaker series calls with uh, influential runners. And uh, they've been like these really intimate, cool calls that we had never done before, but we probably wouldn't have done it if it weren't for the pandemic. And now we are thinking about ways that we can do it after the pandemic. And, you know, we've started different newsletter series that we've never had before. Um, we're doing a newsletter right now called 100 Days of Summer, and it's all about, like, helping keeping, helping to keep runners, like, engaged and, um, you know, excited about the sport of running and um, keeping things fresh, like, every single week. So, so we're doing these things that, you know, we probably wouldn't have done otherwise. We probably would have, like, really stuck to, like, our, our in-person programming. And we'll keep doing that once everything goes back to normal. But um, I'm hoping that, like, when we come out on the other side, we'll have this, like, really strong tie with um, some of the people that aren't necessarily, like, local runners. And, and we can kind of fan out our reach a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. We've kind of had the same thing um, with our consummate athlete coaching uh clientele, I guess. Um, normally we'd be doing a lot more like in-person clinics and, you know, we, we were literally, we finished hosting a camp in Spain two days before the lockdowns all really started in March. Um, so suddenly we've had to figure out how to go virtual and do all that, but we've been doing, you know, yoga once a week on Zoom for like the people that my husband coaches. And it's been really cool to see people actually like popping on the video and, and getting into it in a way that I don't think they would have three months ago. So I'm with you. There are some like optimistic sides of it for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of it keeps things fresh and interesting, right? Like, it's, it, I think anyone can can sit and listen and agree that we fall into these like routines in our daily lives that uh, that can get kind of bland and boring. And like, it's nice when not nice in this scenario, but like, I think it's good every time like there's a curveball and you need to like be light on your feet and be nimble and, and think of think of things a little bit differently. Because even thinking about run clubs in the future, like it's going to be a long time before we can open up the doors on a Sunday morning to the track house and let, you know, 150 people in. We're, we probably won't be able to do that for a long time. So we mm -hmm. need to think of ways that we can engage with smaller groups 
and uh, and maybe like increase the frequency or um, you know uh, meet in different locations and, and do all these different things. So it's been a challenge, but I think you know it, it definitely like keeps me waking up every day uh, excited to like uh, to go to work and, and to and to think of new ways to engage with the community. So. Yeah. And I think it's it's also a really great time to get new runners sort of into and invested in the sport because, you know, a lot of the time for new runners, it's super intimidating to show up to a group run or show up to like an in-person event because, you know, you're afraid you're going to get dropped and it's going to suck. Uh, but when most things are, are virtual, you kind of like get to get into it without actually having to, you know toe the line, I guess. Um, so I think y- you kind of get a lot more more buy-in from the new runners before they have to actually show up for the, the group runs. So maybe they're a little bit more comfortable when they finally can, you know, come out and hang. Yeah, and I think that's a good example of, like, something that, you know, we, we knew, but, like, have really taken more to heart. Um, I, we've had so many conversations just with runners, because, like, we're not running, but we're, we're having these conversations with people, and I think you you hear the word like accessibility a lot and you know that's the goal of mine is to like make my run club like as accessible as possible and I think um, that's going to be a goal when we come back to the club is like how can I how can I continue to make it more accessible for everyone uh, so I think that that's a, it's a good point for sure like I think right now everyone can participate no matter what because we're not meeting for runs we're, we're just having conversations or meeting virtually or whatever and then I think when, when we kind of like circle the wagon and come back uh, hopefully people will feel like they're more a part of the group and and, uh, and happy to show up so. mm-hmm. yeah and so because we've had so many you know people getting into running suddenly we keep calling them like pandemic runners uh, which i love i'm like so happy to see so many people out out running in town now um what what is your sort of best advice for the the new runners for the couch to 5k crew um well, so the, so the first thing I always tell people is something that you can't do now. So uh, I always tell people, <laughs> sign up for a race uh, three months away or something like that. They I'll can find a virtual challenge. You can yeah. put something on the calendar so maybe, still. Yeah, the, the whole point is like finding something that's going to like make you commit to the process. Uh, like if you've got a race on your calendar uh, three months down the line or two months down the line, it'll be a lot easier to like push yourself out the door and go for a run. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, the other key things that I always tell people is, um, have a plan, um, uh, that is, uh, that is doable. So I think a lot of people like get really excited and dive in head first and do too much too soon. And then they get burnt out after a couple of weeks and then they have these like really long setbacks. So I, I always tell people like, it's much better to like start with like, you know, easy runs, like two or three days a week and then build from there. Um, to the point where you're getting up to like four or five days a week as opposed to like starting with that and mm-hmm. trying to run every day the first week so um having like a plan where you're where you're gradually building things slowly and slowly and uh, i think the last thing too is just like try to keep things interesting right now so um running running different places uh you know explore do different workouts that you wouldn't ordinarily do like do things that are gonna like things interesting for you listen to podcasts like uh or audiobooks or, or music or, or whatever it is um anything that's going to keep you engaged uh, day in and day out i think are like are the keys right now for sure uh and I, I think if you're a new runner like getting into the sport i think it's that's great uh, 
I, uh, I think when the pandemic first hit, like one of my first thoughts was like, I hope this creates a running boom. Um, when we come out on the other side, I hope a lot of people will pick up the sport because, you know, it's, it's a way to kind of get out the door and be outside and be present. And, um, you know, if you're someone who's been running for a long time, like, you know, like how fulfilling it is to be a runner. Like you get to go out there and challenge yourself every single day and, and be in touch with nature and, and yourself. Uh, and if you're a new runner, like I hope that like a lot of people find that, uh, you know, through the next couple of months, obviously running in the summer is really hard, but, um, <laughs> but yep. I think you know, running offers something to everyone. And I think, uh, it's cool that we are seeing a little bit of boom right now. And, and hopefully when we, when we do have races again, it, it'll be a really, really, really exciting time for the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, and since you mentioned running in summer, what are your sort of top running in the heat tips right now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> I did, since I have been uh, dipping my toe into the uh, water with doing some trail running, I did recently buy a hydration pack. Yes. Um, so I have a handheld water bottle uh, and a hydration pack now, which I like, I'm not going to lie. Like, when I was in high school and college, I always kind of, like, looked at those as, like, kind of dorky. Um, totally. Now, yep. Like, now I'll take my little bottle on, like, a short, you know, 20, 30-minute run if it's, like, really hot outside. Because it's just, like, nice to know that I have water if I need it. Um, like, usually if you live in a city, like, there's water fountains, but none of the water fountains are on right now. Right. Of so, um, so, yeah, so, so bring water. That's, that's definitely one tip. Um, and if you can't bring water, I would say know where you can find water. So, um, you know, know the places where, where you can kind of make a pit stop and, and get water cool off if you need to. Um, let's see, run early is a big one that I'm terrible at, but it makes a massive, massive difference. If you can get out the door early before the sun really comes up, um, it'll just be a lot shittier and a lot cooler. Um, makes, makes a, a massive difference. Uh, and if you're not a morning person, honestly, like, it's pretty nice to go out for a run in the summer, or, um, yeah, run in the summer at night, if, if you can, if you can wait all day and do that, um, you know, if you can get yourself out the door at 7 or 8 p.m., uh, right when the sun's going down, it, it's actually pretty pleasant. Uh, the challenging thing is just, like, staying mentally engaged all day and making sure that you can get out the door at night for a run. Um, so those would be, those would be a couple of tips, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, also, I, I really do like jumping, jumping in water when it's, uh, when it's really, really, really hot too. Especially if it's a, um, especially if it's just an easy run. So if you mm-hmm. have a body of water, you can go into like halfway through. Um, if it's hot, you'll dry off quickly. But also, like the next mile when you're running and you're all wet, you get that like cooling effect, um, where like the water's evaporating off your skin. So it actually that also really makes a difference mm-hmm. yeah i found we live right by a, a bay and my my puppy really loves the water which is sort of surprising for a tiny dachshund but i've found like the post-run swim is uh rapidly becoming my favorite thing go back grab the uh, pup and head down to the water um and actually <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to say uh, that that kind of leads me to the, the next question that I really wanted to ask you, which is we got puppies kind of right around the same time, it looks like. Uh, so what have you learned about running and hiking and adventuring with yours? Well, I was going to say I'm super jealous because um, we have a standard poodle named Meredith and we've been trying to get her into swimming for the past uh, 
months. Uh, she's about six months old. So um, every time we go to a body of water, we bring her and we uh, we bought a little life jacket for her. Uh, <laughs> it's like a pink life jacket with a little fish tail. So it's really cute. Oh, I was uh, trying to get one of those for DW and I could not find any that would be like be shipped before September. I was so <laughs> mad about it. Yeah, I think we got lucky and found, found one on Amazon. But, uh, but yeah, she doesn't even really need... Need, super need the life jacket. She's actually a pretty good swimmer. I just think she just genuinely like doesn't like the water that much. Like we take her to like the dog beach all the time, and um, she'll like go and chase dogs into the water, but like she won't stay in the water for very long. She'll just like immediately like run back out and uh, and and stay in the sand and roll around in the dirt. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's been it's been great. We just took her on a hike, a couple hikes in New Hampshire. Um, I, I can't wait until I can like actually run with her. Uh, you're supposed to wait until um, until they're about eight or ten months, I think it is, uh, until they're like almost completely done growing, uh, just so it doesn't like mess with their like uh, bone growth. Yeah, but, it's quite yeah. a while before you can really do anything super active with them. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, she does great on hikes. She's done like a couple hikes, um, nothing like super long, but uh, they have like, such a left center of gravity that she's like, she's better at hiking than I am, like <laughs> over rocks and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, lots of swimming, a decent amount of hiking, and then I think in October we can probably start running with her. So that'll be that'll be great when we can go on trips and um, you know if we want to go do a, like a ten mile trail run or something like that, we can just take her off the leash and let her go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that it'll be a lot of fun once that that comes. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, been, it's fun having a dog. Like talking about like distractions and stuff. It's something that we've always wanted to do, and like I've never really had a good excuse to get one until now. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're both home, so we just kind of pulled the trigger. So, yeah, yeah, we were lucky. Ours came along at pretty much like just the right time, but we had already been planning on not traveling for the summer in order to get one. And it's been, yeah, honestly, the best distraction. Um, I was saying that I was like, I don't know how I got so much less not productive, or like how I'm finding it so hard to be productive in the past two months. And Peter was just like, "Well, we got a dog." And I was like, "Right, we take time." <laughs> kind of yeah. forgot that. <laughs> You're probably at the stage, too, where, like, she's still... Is it a boy or a girl? Boy. Sorry. Yeah, so you probably still have, like, a ton of energy all the time. Like, I, I feel like four months is, like, right around the time where, like, Meredith finally started, like, getting calm during the day. But, like, when she was really young, like, we couldn't get any work done. It was crazy. Like, she was just, like, always needed attention, like, 24-7. And we were like, we thought puppies were supposed to, like, sleep 20 hours a day or something like that also dw kind of does sleep 20 hours a day so we're pretty lucky with that but when he's moving he's he is moving and there is no uh there's no ignoring it so my my co-worker molly got a a dachshund as well um i like this we're gonna have to start like a molly's with dachshunds club yeah exactly (laughs) they're like such a cute dog so they're ridiculous um, (laughs) yeah 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 i like watching them run with like short legs they got us a pretty pretty fast speed they are speedy yeah yeah Yeah, they're amazing (laughs) awesome and i mean you kind of mentioned you're alluded to some interesting stuff with tracksmith coming up so before we wrap up anything that people should be keeping an eye out for um no not really i think i think what i would just encourage 
encourage people to do is if you're if you haven't engaged with the brand yet, just to kind of like check it out. And um, there's lots of opportunities to um, to get involved and to like to be more in tune with some of the things that we're doing. Um, I always you know encourage people like if they have questions like to write me an email. Like my email is just Lewis at Tracksmith dot com, and um, they're happy to like know send links to sign up for newsletters and stuff like that but um but yeah no i i'm excited for the fall just because uh, i think there's a lot of opportunity to continue engaging with the running community and um you know the cool thing about our company is like uh you know we're really just a bunch of runners that love the sport and like want to bring that love to more people mm-hmm. in every way possible so um that's why my job I'm very lucky like my job's really cool like that's the huge focus of my job it's just like sharing the love for the sport mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of got into this a little bit but like I definitely like fell out of love with it and then like refound that love with it and like now know like how to keep it uh, and like that's something that I, I really try to like day in day out share with people uh, and I think community is a huge element of that and so I, I feel for people like I had a a call with our um, our local racing team last night, and one of the one of the guys on the call was just like, I I'm really having a hard time. Like, there's nothing to train for right now, and like, um, you know, I'm not running with as many people as I used to, and like, it, it's a challenge right now. Like, if you if you haven't been with your with your running group in a while, or if you haven't done a race in a while, so um, they're really just trying to think of more ways to like to uh, get people excited about running right now. And, um, hopefully, like, stay motivated through the, through the rest of this process, whenever, whenever it ends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. And I always, it's funny, I, I always recommend Tracksmith to people because, you know, a lot of our listeners and people we know are really into cycling and that, you know, a lot of them love Rafa stuff. And to me, Tracksmith is sort of like the, the running Rafa as far as like aesthetic and, and even vibe and community and stuff go. So, yeah, I feel like a lot of our, our listeners are, are super into that that whole yeah we didn't even, yeah <laughs> we didn't even talk about biking i or cycling i that's another one i've been like seriously considering getting a getting a bike but i feel like everyone that i know is, is super into cycling right now yeah good luck getting a bike at this point i i've heard it's it's quite difficult to, to find one at shops anymore interesting <laughs> yeah there's a bike shop right next to my apartment called crimson bikes and there's always a line down the block oh that's that's awesome i mean i know it's not great because it means you know people can't get in the store and we have to wait in line and stuff but having a line outside of a bike shop like come on that's pretty rad yeah i know it's pretty cool yeah but um that's that's good i yeah no i i know a ton of my co-workers and running buddies have gotten like really into cycling and i'm definitely getting like a little bit of fomo right now Uh, like i think Sorry, I'm getting on a tangent. No, I love it. <laughs> I think cycling is so cool because you can, like, be more than when you're running. Because um, mm-hmm. you can, obviously, you can bike farther. And that's, like, one of the reasons why, you know, it's been cool trying to get into trail running a little bit. Like, you can drive up to New Hampshire and, like, go run over a mountain peak and, like, get a really cool view. And you can't really do that if you're just, like, road running. But cycling, like, you know, you, your your possibilities are pretty, like, endless. You know, mm-hmm. you, can, you can really... So if you want to go ride 40 miles to the beach or something like that, you can do that. But no one's going to no do that for a run. So, well, uh, not many people are going to do that for a run. There's... <laughs> I forget that, well, 
That might be the 40 to the beach and then 40 back might be pushing it for like a casual beach day, but. <laughs> yeah. Actually, another, another tangent, but my coach always tells me that uh, they would do this run. I think he said it was on the 4th of July every single year. And I guess one of, uh, it was like a huge run with Boston Runner. Um, and uh, they would they would run from the Elliott Lounge, which is actually the, um, our second floor community space attracts Mrs. Modeled after this bar, the Elliott Lounge, where all the runners would go and hang out. And one of the people in the Boston community had like a beach house in Pituit, and it was about 26 miles to get there. So they would all, on the 4th of July, go run 26 miles from the Elliott Lounge to the beach and then just have a big party there. So that's, a, that's a tradition I could probably wrap my head around. I like that, yeah. That's that's a good one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Where can everyone find you and everything else that you're doing on the interwebs? Um, so I mentioned my email. Um, my name's spelled L-O-U-I-S. Feel, feel free to drop me a line. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, and that's just um, Lou Serafini one is my handle there. Um, I'm also on Strava. Um, you just search my name. That'll come up. And I have a... a way less active Twitter account uh, <laughs> that I, I do use from time to time, but uh, I feel like I'm not uh, the funniest. I don't think, yeah, my humor doesn't really resonate with as many people, so I don't tweet as much, but uh, that's just that's just at Louis Serafini if you do want to follow me on Twitter. Um, and I think that that's it. So, uh, But I, like I said, I would really encourage people to, if they're interested in learning more about Tracksmith, uh, to reach out, drop me a line, and I'd love to, to have a conversation either over email or um, or whatever. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us bring on you know great new guests and. Yeah, we'd also love to hear from you. You can find us on the interwebs um, at consummateathlete.com, at consummateathlete on Instagram. uh, And I am at Molly J. Herford on Instagram and Twitter. And Peter is at Peter Glassford. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Searching for the stories outside of cycling, but still inside cycling? The Gravelot is a weekly interview series where we talk about our shared experiences in the cycling community and talk with people that we think you guys might be interested in. Absolutely. And the Gravelot is actually not always about gravel, but it is the place that is your local trailhead. It could be the meetup parking lot where you meet your friends. Or the post-ride watering hole. It's really the place where you sit down, share your stories, and talk about life. Yeah, and dive into the things that really matter to you on two wheels or beyond. The Gravelot has brand new episodes every single Thursday morning, along with a bi-weekly editorial column every other Tuesday. So check out the show, check out the beeline, and join the conversation and find out all you need to know about The Gravelot at thegravelot.com.